Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Welcome to Switch Done Pop. I'm songwriter Charlie Harding. And I'm musicologist Nate Sloan. The other night, I'm watching the Jerry Bruckheimer, Tom Cruise, Top Gun franchise reboot film, Top Gun Maverick. Mm -hmm. And there's this scene where they're playing beach volleyball. It's a team bonding montage. It's scored by this song, I Ain't Worried by One Republic. I'm thinking, I know that vibe. I think it's the whistle that uh, alerts me to the fact that this might be uh, something I've heard before. Where have I heard that whistle, Charlie? It immediately took me to Peter Bjorn and John's song, Young Folks, from 2006. Yep. That song seemed to have launched a whole indie whistling vibe (laughs) that took over popular music for a minute. I mean, check out Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zero's Home. Or Tighten Up by the Black Keys. One year later, Foster the People puts out Pumped Up Kicks, 2010. What a fascinating mini trend you're elucidating here. So this vibe, this sort of indie rock whistle trend, runs its course by the early 2010s. But now, a decade later... It's back. Mm. This One Republic song has gone to number 12 on the Hot 100, and it is very much playing on nostalgia, as is the film which it's soundtracking. And in fact, I Ain't Worried is more than just nodding to that vibe. It is a direct reference to the song that, for me, started it all, Peter Bjorn and John, because technically, Peter Bjorn and John have a songwriting credit on I Ain't Worried. Mm. I Ain't Worried is an interpolation of young folks. Right. The interpolation, which is a term that's distinct from a sample, because a sample is when you actually use the recording of an earlier song in your new track. But an interpolation is when you replay some of the musical material from an existing recording, but you're not actually using the original recording. You're recreating it yourself. It seems like a very common technique in contemporary pop music. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by this one because I took my time to recreate both. I haven't been able to identify at any particular moment exactly where the music is being interpolated. Like, it kind of feels like it's just borrowing the whole vibe of the song. Like, if we take the drums, for example, Mm -hmm. 
Here's the groove of the original, Young Folks. And here's the One Republic. I mean, similar, but not identical. Yeah, similar in both kind of rudimentary rock drum grooves either way. You can't copyright a beat, so that's not the problem. How about the bass line? Bass line can give us some melodic information, some harmonic information. Potentially, you can copyright a bass line. Here's the bass from the Peter, Bjorn, and John. And then One Republic. Interesting. The two bass lines follow the same harmonic progression at first, but then the One Republic bass line goes in a different direction. And also the actual melodic content is not the same. So, I mean, they're pretty... If you played these back-to-back, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, those are the same song. They sound very different. We're not here to talk about drums and bass. We're here to talk about whistling, aren't we? Because <laughs> that's what you can copyright. Definitely a melody. Here's the Peter Bjorn and John. I'm on the edge of my seat. Digging the MIDI whistle, check. And the One Republic. Originally, these songs were in different keys, so I just transcribed them to be in the same place. Just to be sure, what if we play both melodies on top of each other at the same time? A, I love it. And B, they're (laughs) clearly not the same melody. There's some overlap, like there's a note that they hit at the same time. And this is true. The Peter Bjorn starts high and then descends lower and lower and lower. The One Republic starts low, rises up, and then goes down in a similar arc as the Peter Bjorn around the same time. But yeah, they're different melodies. Peter Bjorn and John, you keep, I won't stand for this John erasure, Charlie. <laughs> PB and J. Thank you, I stand corrected. Okay, but, <laughs> but, but your point is well taken. When I played this One Republic song for my wife, Bess, I was like, do you recognize this? Does it remind you of any other song? And she was totally baffled. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about hmm. because she thought I was playing her the Peter Bjorn and John. <laughs> like these songs might not be in the same key, have the same chords or share the same melody, but they definitely have the same vibe because what's happening here is a type of interpolation. In this case, the songs feel it's arrangement, it's instrumentation and it's working because the song is a hit. It reminds us of the old one, and yet it's a new song. And it's just one of the many ways that pop music today is often referencing the past through interpolation, whether a direct lyric, melody, or instrumentation, all of which I'm jokingly calling vibe snatching. Mm, goosebumps. In fact, I think we've entered a new era in interpolations. We've talked about it on the show yeah. with examples like... Olivia Rodrigo crediting Taylor and Paramore, for instance, Mm -hmm. or Beyonce giving credit to Robin S. Mm -hmm. Even Elvis, an old one, interpolated Hound Dog. It's uh, different lyrics than the original. (laughs) Right. Lato's big energy samples the Tom Tom Club Mm -hmm. sound, but also interpolates Mariah Carey's fantasy. And this is just not stopping. There are so many of them. Like, check out Rita Ara and Amenbach's Bang Bang. This song's released in 2021, but it sounds like it's from the 80s. Does it remind you of something? Axel's theme from Beverly Hills Cop, maybe? Yes. 
Wow. The song is Axel F, written by Harold Faltermeyer, who, to bring things full circle, also wrote the Top Gun anthem. Whoa, double goosebumps. Okay, we were just incepted, but I want to keep going deeper on this trend of interpolations. We've heard previously on the show the song Betty Got Money by Young Gravy. This is not a Rick Roll. Never take a L no more. Never take a damn thing slow. Which is both a sample and an interpolation because they've updated a lyric from Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up, which is officially this time a Rick Roll. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you an interpolation nation it is that one went to number 33 on the hot 100 and here's a sneaky one for you another recent one Mm. just this year the singer ian dior who was famous for the song mood amongst many others he has a song with machine gun kelly and travis barker called thought it was with an interpolation that i actually found pretty hard to notice challenge accepted i lost my mind Chasing a feeling in the hills at night. Closing time. Oh, you got it, man. Dun, 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 dun. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out into the world. I'm a Dan Wilson head. What can I say? End of the show. Closing time, of course. Semisonic classic. Major 90s hit. Yeah, hmm. Semisonic. That is... A weird one. (laughs) Doesn't it feel like there's an invasion of the vibe snatchers? This is just everywhere. Or I could be kinder and say that we're in the era of the rise of the interpolation. (laughs) I mean, either way you put it, Chuck, it's a phenomenon that is worth understanding. Whether you see it as a positive thing, like, oh, we're rediscovering, reviving these classic songs, and that's a good thing. Or whether you see it as a bad thing, like, oh, this is just derivative, unoriginal, uninspired. Either way, I my the question I want to know is like why? Why is everyone interpolating? Why is everyone vibe snatching? The first question I had to ask myself was, is this just some kind of confirmation bias? Like am I am I hearing it because I want to hear it? Am I noticing these things? Uh-huh. To be sure, I went to the year and Billboard Hot 100 and looked at every single song from 2010 to 2021 and counted up whether or not they contain an interpolation based off of Genius.com's database, which is user annotated. So there's probably some user error in there. So I'm really just looking for the trend. But what I found is that roughly from 2010 to 2015, about 10% of songs had an interpolation on them on the Hot 100 year-end chart. Okay. And then there's this inflection point in 2016. And from 2016 to 2021, about 20% of songs had an interpolation on the year-end Hot 100. That's double. Yeah. Wow. So we could speculate why this changed. Like, it could be the rise of social media and TikTok, streaming as a dominant form of listening, right? 2017 was the year that streaming outpaces album sales. (laughs) And so that timing makes sense. We could say that we just maybe live in an age of nostalgia. Everything is a remix. Wow. But I wanted to get answers from the people in the business. So I spoke to about a half dozen songwriters and producers and a handful of managers, A&Rs, and publishers, all people with songs making or representing songs on the Hot 100. And most of them wanted to remain anonymous around this issue. I'll tell you what they told me right after a quick break. Apple. 
Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. First, on the positive, we definitely are seeing a shift in citation. After years of dialogue on the role of cultural appropriation in pop music, uh, right. artists are perhaps listening a bit more. You know, so Beyonce, we talked about on the episode about Break My Soul and her album Renaissance. She's giving credit to folks who maybe she didn't need to on her last record because they weren't exact interpolations. Robin S., for example, on Break My Soul. Hmm. But in doing so, she gives cultural and financial credit to the forerunners of dance music, the people that she's quoting. The second thing I'm hearing is that part of it's what's happening in songwriting sessions. One songwriter told me that every single time a session starts, Spotify is open. People are listening to music, talking about what they're vibing on. And it's not uncommon that in a songwriting session, you might pull Spotify back open and be like, huh, we need a cool snare sound or like a synth sound. Let's go check out another song we really like. So maybe interpolations are coming in because the music is in the songwriting session room. Hmm. But there's another significant trend that I think is playing a very important role in the rise of the interpolation. And it's all about financially backed publishing companies looking for new revenue sources. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, I'm Justin Shukat. I am president of Primary Wave Music based in New York. Primary Wave is a publisher with financial backing and owns a lot of catalogs. Justin, their president, he subscribes to this age-old wisdom in music. Once a hit, always a hit. So a music publisher's job is to make money off the songwriting copyright of a song. They make money every single time that song is streamed, but they also try to get TV placements and covers that help build the value of that copyright. That is music publishing. It's just taking what was, recreating, enhancing... The one thing that has never changed has been these iconic evergreen songs. And all publishers want to rework them, but most never focused on it. Over the last few years, there's been this sea change in publishing. Financial firms have started offering large payouts to buy up artist catalogs on the theory that listener data from streaming provides forecastable future revenues. And some folks are getting big checks, $400 million to Bob Dylan for his catalog. Neil Young got $150 million for 50% of his catalog. Stevie Nicks gave up 80% of hers for $100 million. Primary Wave bought that one. 
when you buy a catalog for heightened multiples, you need to drive you know revenue into that catalog. And how do you drive revenue? You drive revenue through sync. You drive revenue through you know big ticket items, stocks or biopics. And guess what? You drive it through covers and then even further into interpolation. So if someone interpolates your song, the rights owner to that song is going to get a credit and paid publishing royalties, which also enhances the likelihood that maybe you hear that cool interpolation and we'll go check out the original song. So it's kind of a double whammy. I asked Justin how he came up with this strategy. I'm a hip-hop Long Island boy. Who said it better than anyone? It was Puffy, the king of it. <laughs> Man, he was taking hits from the 80s and making them ooh so crazy. Take hits from the 80s, but do it sound so crazy. Oh. Diddy, the artist formerly known as Puff Daddy, He's been doing the interpolation game for a long time, very successfully. But it took going to Hollywood for Justin to realize that what Puff Daddy was doing could play out for countless other artists. One day, Justin's talking very colorfully, if you will, with Ezekiel Lewis from Epic Records, who tells the story of Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, top end guy. (laughs) Bruck. Zeke tells me, he's like, I sat with Bruckheimer and his crew of fucking, you know, TV executives in here. They have this uh, monster film franchise. They're working on picking songs for the 2020 Bad Boys film, Bad Boys for Life. And Zeke is working with a who's who of writers and producers in LA making the best records. And the first meeting, he hits seven or eight, nine records. And Bruckheimer seems like he got nothing there. Zeke's like, fuck. And then he comes back like two weeks later. He goes, I hit play again. He brings in the Black Eyed Peas and J Balvin's song, Ritmo. Which interpolates Corona's 1995 hit, Rhythm of the Night. This is the rhythm of the night. The night. Oh, yeah. And their eyes fucking lit up. Why? Because it had an interpolation of a record that those guys fucking knew from the 90s. So it was like, and when he said that to me, I'm like, that was an aha moment. And, and then I, I started connecting the dots. Huh. He shifts his whole strategy. He says he's done chasing new stuff and instead tells his team... We own the best songs out there. I go, we want to be creative. I'm like, great, let's focus on that. So I ask him, how do you even start? Like, how do you get someone to write a song with your song in it? We literally make lists on a weekly basis on songs and pitch ideas. And sometimes we'll have the original idea. And, you know, like you can't just pitch an idea in an email. So we'll have our in-house producers maybe create the idea that we've articulated. And so it'll be a pitch idea to send out like something that's, you know, a little big, not fully cooked, but you know, you're putting the ingredients together. We'll send them an idea and then maybe they'll bite. There's no marketplace for these kinds of ideas and pre-produced tracks. Justin says it's all about relationships. He's been doing this thing for 30 years and he lands songs consistently, successfully. Take, for example, that Ian Dior song that samples Closing Time. I lost my mind. I mean, it's funny because Closing Time actually happened you know, we actually did a camp. A camp is a songwriting camp where songwriters and producers get matched up to make songs together. When we do these camps, we'll take one of our songs that we're just going to create with the mindset of how can we really extract more income from the song. So the, the, the EMD Orland was obviously closing time. It was just, we knew again, just classic melody. And we were ripping it. We probably had like six or seven different versions of it. So they've hosted this camp specifically to leverage interpolations in their catalog. And they've got multiple versions of closing time that they own. They need to get it to an artist. So 
Justin passes it to an A&R guy who knows Ian, who passes it to Ian, who likes the song. They cut the record. I lost my mind chasing a feeling in the hills at night. I like this version of the story because when I heard Thought It Was, I mean, I guess you heard Closing Time right away, but it kind of incepts the song enough. It changes it. They've made something new from that material. But that proactive approach isn't the only way of leveraging your existing catalog of songs. There's another side to interpolations. It's the vibe, and you can't copyright the vibe. But you can't stop people from trying. Here's the thing. As you're saying about in songwriting sessions, people probably being inspired by things, sometimes vibes sneak their way into your song in a way that maybe you didn't intend for it to do so. And then you get in trouble. Justin gives me an example. The Maroon 5 Memories song. You know, listen, do you hear an interpolation of that? Here's to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not. Cause the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we I heard Paco Bell's canon. Did I? But I don't know. What do you, you hear anything, Nate? No, I don't think so. We're both wrong. Yeah, there's a Bob Marley, no woman, no cry. Now, I mean, it could probably be argued, but, you know, they they came to us well in advance before. We didn't pitch that. I would love to tell you I pitched it, but we didn't. One of the managers I spoke with, Lucas Keller, he called this preemptive musicology. Basically, people hire musicologists, like yourself, to check that their songs don't infringe and to avoid costly lawsuits like the famed Blurred Lines case where Robin Thicke and Pharrell Williams had to pay Marvin Gaye's estate for using the vibe from Got to Give It Up, even though the songs don't really share exactly any material. You don't want to end up in that kind of situation. And so people will either change the song or reach out just in case. I got a call from the attorney. He goes, listen, she goes, I'm going to this record. He goes, we think we're safe. We went to a musicologist, but I know it's Marley. And he goes, I don't want to get in a pitching match and the guys are comfortable. And he made me an offer. And by the way, you know, as well as I could, I could have been a fucking pain in the ass. Cause I got, I, I could have had my, 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 my thing out thing. And I heard the record. It was obviously memories. That's real. It was the number one record, but I appreciated the way he did it. And I, you know, I was on the fence about, you know, what I thought and we took his offers. So Justin says these songs weren't the same. Musicologist says they're probably not the same. But there seems to be a gray area here, and people are giving interpolation credits just to be safe. It's a very fine line. There's no textbook on any of this stuff. Like, why clear? Do like Adam Levine and Burn Five? Do they really want to fuck with the Marley franchise? Like, there's so much money involved. You're almost better off. I'm just saying. It's it's kind of like schmuck insurance. Like, why? Like, you know, why mess with something that could hold anything up? Like, that train is too fucking big. Is what is what I'm guessing at the end of the day. I feel like we're back at the beginning of this conversation. Why is one republic crediting young folks as an interpolation when when we listened to each part isolated, we saw they didn't actually map up? It's because of what Justin was just describing. It's not worth maybe getting entangled in a potential lawsuit, both the financial and the publicity fallout from that. Like just get the interpolation credit and move on with your life. 
on a giant Jerry Bruckheimer production, I don't think people are messing around. Nobody wants to have a controversy with this song. The song might have been an intentional placement. As we've heard, Bruckheimer loves interpolations. You know, maybe that's what he's going for. Maybe he gave that brief. I did try to reach Interscope Records, the label for One Republic, but didn't hear back. But I do know that this is just one song that's part of a much larger trend of interpolating old songs into new hits. I even confirmed this over email with Hypnosis, one of the largest publishing investment management firms. They too are making interpolations a part of their strategy. You might think that this sounds crass or shady. It's just business. But the reality is audiences love these songs. They've doubled on the year on Hot 100 in the last decade. And for Justin at Primary Wave, it's simply about the music. When we hear something, what is that melody that brings us to a moment that is already identifiable in our world? And that's what that's why interpolations work. They bring us back. That's the musical reason for it. The songwriter Jenny Owen Young's playfully put it to me this way. No new hook will ever be as hooky as a hook that's already hooked you. Switched on Pop is produced by Rihanna Cruz, edited by Jolie Myers, engineered by Brandon McFarland, illustrations by Iris Gottlieb, community management by Abby Barr. Our executive producers are Hannah Rosen and Ashok Kerwa, a member of the Vox Media Podcast Network and a production of Vulture. You can find more episodes of Switched on Pop wherever you get podcasts. I'm talking Spotify. I'm talking Apple Podcasts. And I'm talking our website, www.switchedonpop.com. Also, we love hearing from you. What interpolations are you hearing on the pop charts right now? Hit us up at Switched on Pop on Instagram and Twitter. We're dying to hear from you. We'll be back again on Tuesday. And until then, thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Why do you run? Why does anyone I always thought that runners loved running, and that's not the case. Most runners hate running, <laughs> but they choose to do it. In the new docu-series Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon taking place in Savannah, Georgia on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Prop G Pod wherever you get your podcasts.